0: Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is the Friday broadcast. We're at the end of another amazing week. Well, today I want to talk to you about a very important subject. So hang in there. Don't change the dial. Listen up. I've got a very important message that I want to share with you today, and it is how in the world do I get people interested in spiritual things? And maybe you're listening today and said, man, I'm not interested in spiritual things. I'm going to change the dial right now. Hey, would you hang in there? I got some questions I want to ask you that I think will arouse your interest in spiritual things. And let me read just a couple of passages of Scripture to get you ready, right? I want you to know that if you don't know Christ, you are blind and you cannot see. Now, I don't mean to insult you, but Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, Except the man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, if you're not born again, you don't see the importance of a relationship with Christ. You are blind. Listen, I want to take the scales off your eyes and I want you to be able to see the truth because the truth will indeed set you free. Now, I don't want to insult you, but Jesus also understood that if you don't have a relationship with Him, you also are ignorant and cannot understand. It's the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Uh, So here we discover that Nicodemus, who is, by the way, a religious leader. He was a rabbi going to another rabbi, Jesus. And he's asking him, How can I be born again? Can I enter into my mother's womb a second time? Now, Jesus is saying, you know, that is really not the way to be born again. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being born again physically. I'm talking about being born again spiritually. Uh, So Nicodemus was not only blind, he was not only ignorant and couldn't understand, but he was also helpless. He couldn't bring about salvation. He couldn't get into heaven on his own efforts. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, or... Truly, truly, I say to you, except a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So some commentators would say that water represents the physical birth. You got to be born the first time. And then the second would be the spiritual birth. And if you're not born of the spiritual birth, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, So Jesus is reminding us here that this is a spiritual encounter that takes place. But there's a problem, and the problem is, is that we are sinful. You see, that first birth, that birth of the water, is a birth that indicates that I am a sinner. John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. You see, we were born with a depraved body. We were far from God. So Jesus says, marvel not, I say unto you, you must be born again. Uh, So the whole purpose of the broadcast today is to help you to be able to communicate the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let's begin by assuming that you're saved. Let's uh, begin by assuming that you have a relationship with Christ. Sometimes you may lack assurance you need to have that assurance. I want you to know for many years, I lacked the assurance that I needed. I mean, I was constantly doubting my salvation. I was up and down and all over the place spiritually. As a matter of fact, I would go to these different events as a teenager. Uh, Sometimes I'd go to youth camp. Sometimes I'd go to like these youth revival services, and, and there'd be a preacher up there, and he'd give a wonderful message, and he would say, you know, if you're doing such and such, if you're living this way in sin, uh, maybe the reason is because you had never been born again. And it didn't matter what they would say. It seems like whatever they said is something that I was just doing that past week. And I saw, oh, man, maybe the reason I'm doing this is because I'm not born again. And so I would go and pray to receive Christ. I probably did it 10 times as a teenager, maybe more than that, right? Well, the problem wasn't that I wasn't born again. You know, the devil has a trick. He's pretty slick. This is what he wants to do. He wants those who are unbelievers to think they're believers, and he wants those who are believers to think they're unbelievers, because he knows if you're a believer, but you think you're not a believer, then you're really discouraged, and you can't do anything for the cause of Christ if you're discouraged, and if you're an unbeliever, he wants you to think you're okay, that God wouldn't send you to hell because you're a pretty good person. He wants you to have that false assurance so that you won't get the real thing so that you won't open up your heart and your mind to the true salvation that is made possible through Jesus Christ himself. So what do I do if I lack assurance? Well, number one, there is this inward witness. Paul says, Romans eight sixteen. the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit lives within us those who are believers, and there is this witness of the Spirit of God with our human spirit. That's where we get that inward witness, that inward confidence. So, one of the things that really helped me to have the assurance of my faith is I memorized a lot of verses. So, I want to encourage you to memorize Romans 8 16. Now, the way that you can memorize verses is by repeating these verses seven times in the morning seven times at night for seven days. And you'll discover after a week, you know that verse pretty well, but you want to continue that process on for 28 days. So after doing it for four weeks, seven times in the morning, seven times in the evening, as you're getting to the point where you're very familiar with the verse, uh, you start quoting that verse seven times in the morning, seven times in the evening. After doing that for 28 days, I promise you that you will commit to memory any verse that you want. Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself bears this with my spirit, that we are the children of God. That is a verse of assurance. How do I know that I'm saved? Is that the spirit is living within me. And sometimes that spirit convicts me when I'm doing wrong. Isn't it amazing that I wasn't convicted for doing wrong before I came to Christ? Now, all of a sudden, things that never bothered me start to bother me words that I used to say that never bothered me before, all of a sudden I'm under conviction. Well, that's a spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Here's the second verse, John 14, 3. We are given assurance, not only with that inward witness, but also that is given by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is maybe being a bit redundant, but in 1 John 4, 13. Hereby we know that we dwell with him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. So the spirit of God is residing within us. Now, in the previous point, we talked about that inward assurance. Now we want to talk about that inward comfort the fact that the spirit of God is living within us and we have this peace that we never had before. Jesus calls it that peace. That transcends all understanding. I was talking to a good friend of mine who uh, who is a fairly new believer. Uh, he's been a Christian for a couple of years and, and he's experiencing right now kind of a business setback, I guess you could call it. And as I was speaking to him, I was really impressed that he was maintaining his composure, uh, he was taking it in stride, and I said, "Man, you're just amazing me to know all that you're going through with your business, but you are so calm about the whole thing." And he said to me, You know, a couple years ago, if this had happened to me, it would have derailed my faith. But he says, God has given me so much confidence. God has given me so much assurance that he's going to carry me through this setback that I'm not even worried about it. He says, I go home at night and I should be fretting about it. I should be worried about it. He said, But I go home at night, I enjoy my family. And he says, I sleep very well because I have that assurance that God is going to work it all out. Well, that's an indication. That he's born again. The spirit dwells within him. There's a third way that you can know for sure that you're saved. And there's a new love that God gives to you. And it's a new love that you have for Christians. Now, this point is so important. This is why I'm so troubled in my spirit when I hear people say, Well, I got Jesus. I don't need the church, I don't need to be hanging out with God's people. And to a degree, that is true. We get saved not by hanging out with God's people. We're saved because of what Christ has done for us. But if we are saved, according to 1 John 3, 14, we have a new love for Christians. This is what the verse says. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Why or how? We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that doesn't love the brethren abides in death. Now, John is driving home one of the assurances of our salvation. I know that I'm born again because I used to hate those Christians. But now I love those Christians. If you love Christians, you love being with them. Now, wouldn't it be very strange of me to say, you know what, I really love my wife, but I ain't going to go home to her tonight. I'm not going to go by and see her. I'm not going to live with her anymore. But I really do love my wife. You would say to me, you have done lost your mind. You see, when we really love somebody, we want to spend time with them. If we've been truly born again, Jesus gives us a new love for God's people. And we love hanging out and fellowshipping together with God's people. As a matter of fact, that is one of the assurances of our salvation. Well, let me give you the next one. Number four, there is a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. So, one of the evidences, one of the assurances of my salvation is that I have been changed. I have become a new creation in Christ the old things, they're gone. I'm a whole new person. You see, I'm not just one who has cleaned up my act. I'm not just one who has changed my ways. I have become different in my creation, different in my character. I am a new creation. As a result of becoming a new creation, that is evidence that I've been born again. That brings about great assurance. So if you're listening to me today and you're looking at your life and say, you know, my life is pretty much the same uh, before I came to Christ as it is after I've been with Christ, no major change. I want you to know there's probably been no conversion. As a matter of fact, years ago, I did a whole revival and uh, I entitled the revival at the prison, no change, no conversion. Because with conversion is always a lot of change. You become a new creation in Christ. So as you look at your life. Maybe you're feeling like, I'm losing the joy of my salvation. Well, that's possible. Uh, You can lose the joy of your salvation. Joy can be lost because the broken relationship is there. Maybe it's time to rekindle that relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's time right now to say, Lord, I need to recommit my life to you, rededicate my life to you. So one more point under assurance. We've learned that we have assurance of our salvation. Because of that inward witness, right? The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We've learned, second of all, this assurance is given to us by the Holy Spirit, 1 John 4, 13. Hereby we know that we dwell with Him and He with us because He has given us His Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit living within us gives us assurance, brings comfort, brings peace. Number three. Assurance is evident by the new love that we have for Christians. Now listen, if you have no love for God's people, it's probably because you've never been born again. Do you remember the story of Saul, who later became Paul, was renamed Paul. He hated Christians. He persecuted the Christians. As a matter of fact, on his road to persecute Christians on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, is where he was born again. And all of a sudden his feelings toward Christians changed. He despised them and now he loves them. As a matter of fact, Paul is one of the few people in scripture who says he loved God's people so much that those who don't know Christ, he'd be willing to have his name taken out of the land's book of life if they would be saved. Paul was willing to die for his brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how much he loved them after he was converted. We also learned that there's a change in our lives when we've been born again. We are a new creation in Christ. And then lastly, there's this assurance that is resulting from believing. 1 John 5.13. Now, this verse really helped me with my assurance of salvation. I think this is one of the first verses that I memorized When I was having a lot of doubts about my salvation, John writes, These things have I written unto you. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Word of God. John is writing God's Word, moved by the Holy Spirit. And he says, I've written these things to you. I've given you the Word of God so that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And by doing so, that you may know that you have everlasting life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So what is John saying here? He is reminding us that God's word gives assurance. As we believe the Bible, our assurance is solidified. So I would encourage you today, if you are lacking assurance of your salvation, I could give you some more evidences, okay? I've just given you five, but let me throw in a few more, okay? Uh, just for good measures. You can have assurance of your salvation, not on what you have done, but based on the resurrection of Christ himself. I believe in the resurrection with my entire being. Why do I believe in the resurrection of Christ? Well, there is an empty tomb. In Matthew 28, 6, you remember they went to anoint the body of Christ. And as they got there, They saw that the stone was rolled away. These women got there and the stone was rolled away and they they looked in the tomb and and it was empty, but there was an angel there. And the angel said, Hey, you're looking for Jesus. He is not here, for he has risen. He says, Come see the place where the Lord lay. Okay, that's past tense. Come see the place where Jesus used to lay, but he's not here. He has risen. Matthew 28:6. The empty tomb provides assurance for my salvation. Well, here's another thing that I think will help you understand the assurance that you have is realizing that the resurrection was accomplished according to the Old Testament Scripture. You see, not only was the tomb empty, but the resurrection of Christ was also prophesied. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 4, that Jesus was buried And then he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Now, if I had time, I would give you a list of scriptures that deal with the prediction or the prophecy of the resurrection of Christ. Paul says, I'm telling you, based upon scripture, that Jesus rose again. It was prophesied, and we are able to see it as first century believers. They were able to see the empty tomb. Jesus was seen by over 500 people after he rose again from the dead. I believe in the resurrection. I have my assurance of my salvation and the fact that Jesus, when he rose again, was seen by Peter and then by the 12 apostles. Let's continue on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 5. It says that he was seen by Cephas and then of the 12. Now, Cephas is Peter. He was seen by Peter. And by the 12, not only was he seen by them, but he was seen by over 500 witnesses, eyewitnesses to the account that Jesus rose again from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 6, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. And Paul says, as he's writing 1 Corinthians chapter 15, probably about AD 65 or so, You know, which is about 30 years after Jesus was resurrected. He says, You know, uh, there's still a lot of people here that are part of the church at Corinth that were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. He says, Many of them are right here with me. Now, some have passed on. Obviously, in 30 years, a lot of people are going to pass. But Paul says, There's still an awful lot that are still alive. And then he had many witnesses. That is, Jesus had many witnesses. Of his ascension, I remember on the day of Pentecost, Jesus ascended up into heaven. Acts one nine says, "When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight." So Jesus <laughs> ascended up into the clouds, but they witnessed that; many witnessed that. Today, I want to encourage you: share the gospel wherever you go. People need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I heard a stat. I'm not sure where I got it from, but it said 66 million Americans would be interested in hearing about the good news of the gospel if somebody would just tell them. So our assignment, go out and share the gospel. How do I get people interested in spiritual things? Well, remind people that we're all sinners. As a matter of fact, we are sinners because of our nature. You know, our nature is that we have been conceived in sin. We were born into sin. I mean, I don't think anybody is so audacious as to say, I have never sinned. I think all would agree that we've fallen short. We have sinned. David said in Psalm 51, 5, he says, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. The reason that we are sinners is because we have inherited a sinful nature. Not only are we inheriting this sinful nature, but we are enslaved to sin. I mean, just try to go 24 hours without making any sin in your life. Paul said, What shall we say then? Are we better than them? Talking about the Jews and the Gentiles? He said, No, no, in no wise. We have proven both Jews and Gentiles, they are all under sin. Paul is saying it doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what country you're born in. It doesn't matter what family you're from. The one thing we have in common is we're all sinners. We're all under sin. We're all enslaved by sin. But I also need to tell you that sin has corrupted us. In Romans 3:10 it says that there is none, none who are righteous, no not one. We have passed on genetically to our our children this corrupted sinful nature. As a matter of fact, it has even darkened our ability to understand spiritual things. Paul says because of this darkening that there is nobody that understands There is nobody that seeks after God. If you're listening to this broadcast today, I'm praying right now for you, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will work in your life and draw you into the relationship with God because by nature, we are hiding from God. Do you remember the story of Adam and Eve? When they fell into sin, as soon as their eyes were opened to their sin, what did they do? They didn't run to God and say, hey, we messed up. No, they went and they hid From God. They were hiding and they covered themselves with these leaves, right? Like you can hide from God. But they thought they could. And so God goes and pursues them. Listen, He's doing the same thing to you today. It's not that He's hiding from you, He's not hiding from you. He's in pursuit of you. You are hiding from Him. And He's going to come find you and He wants to reveal Himself to you. But you've got to make that choice. Will I respond? to the Holy Spirit. You see, God has given us His law. Did you know that the law demands payment when the law is broken? Romans 3.19. Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world will become guilty before God. God's word declares that we are guilty. We are lawbreakers. But I want to leave the broadcast today with some really good news. That Christ died for our sins. That he was buried. And that he rose again. Maybe today, on this Friday afternoon, you want to put your faith and trust in Christ. Say a simple little prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, that he rose again. I, by faith, received the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. That simple little prayer is a prayer of faith that will bring about salvation. If you just prayed that prayer, would you send me a text message? 252-267-2365. And say, man, I just prayed and got saved. 252 252- Maybe today you've got somebody that you're praying for that they'll be saved. Would you send me a text, 252-267-2365? Just give me their name. Say, I'm praying for George, praying for Sally, praying for your neighbor, praying for your boss, praying for your wife. I pray that God will work in their life and that the Lord will draw them into a relationship with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's how people get saved. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I would love to see you at church this Sunday. Ridge Community Church, come join us 9 o'clock or 1045 this Sunday morning. I would love to see you, love to uh, fellowship with you and worship with you. Thank you so much for being with me this week.